Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Welcome to the Coppercast with a present VP. I'm your host, Ricky, Ricky the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky, at dog VP Etridge. Welcome to the show and welcome Olympic medalist, at dog. How are you today, mate? I'm very well, uh, thanks. This is Sam. the medal I got for uh, climbing the Great Wall of China, mate. I figured we we're off to Beijing, so I figured I'd pull it out and you know, say that I've climbed the Great Wall of China. Yeah, nice. I, I haven't climbed the whole thing because there's only a certain section for uh, tourists and I don't was only there for a week. But uh, great work time, mate. It was good. I don't know if your little legs will get up some of the steps because yeah. there were some steps where my big legs struggled to get up. So <laughs> off to China, first, first trip to China, the Beijing Bombers. I'm chatting to Mick. Yeah, well, we've been to Hong Kong. Yeah, sorry, I... I as someone that's been to Hong Kong and Beijing, I should know that they're technically... Well, no, because Hong Kong is its own country. Hong Kong is technically its own country. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know. So, yeah, we're going to Beijing. We're going to speak to Mick from the Beijing Bombers. Um, yeah, another great chat. Another good one. Yeah, this was a good episode. Yeah, I think we got him just before he started cracking into a few of his reds, I'm pretty sure. Or was he halfway through a few reds? We got him. Yeah, I think he'd had a couple of reds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's right, because I'm pretty I'm fairly sure he's uh his fridge had shut itself. So all his beer had gone warm, so he was stuck on drinking red wine all, all, all night and he seemed absolutely shattered about it. Yeah. But if he was like you, mate, he couldn't have had drank, drank the red the red wine either because the exactly. fridge. Exactly, it's gotta go in the fridge, so yeah. no. And uh, <clears throat> you don't know that story. Uh podcast called a Yank on the Footy, uh myself and you we guests on Craig's uh, wonderful podcast the other week. So go check that episode out. And while I'm here, mate, I figured when the Cobracast in uh, August is going to go back to two episodes a week. So obviously at the moment, we're back in, in October, sorry, September, two, twice a week, you're going to be an episode short of the Cobracast. So what are you going to listen to, mate? Well, I figured I'd give the listeners a nice little, uh, a, few epi- a few podcasts to listen to. Uh, the first recommendation I've got for people is a podcast called uh, Fourth and Long. It's an American podcast, and they've uh, they talk about UFC, NFL, MLB, NHL, X, X, XFL, anything American sport. They chat about it. And they're actually also now starting up a bi-weekly uh, Aussie Rules podcast. We're going to start reviewing Aussie Rules with um, a bloke that we've spoken to recently from Des Moines Roosters, uh, Donny Hess. Um, so that's an absolute ripper podcast if you want to you know, tune into that. And another one, my personal favorite, Junk Time, the Junk Time podcast with a couple of comedians, and they literally just sit there and talk shit. So, and it's a good laugh. So, you know, two, it's two podcasts to listen to. Yeah, nice. Or, or you could also go check out, like you said, 
uh, Yank on the Footy, um, and Brian Barish's podcast. Ah, uh, they actually, yeah, uh, Marks and Stripes actually released their first episode for a couple of months. I think today, I'm pretty sure, and they spoke to. I did see who they spoke to. Um, uh, I think I'm pretty sure it's someone on the USAFL board. I'm fairly sure they had a, had a yarn to. So um, they'd be pretty happy across America with Danny Marshall being elevated to the uh, senior Western Bulldogs women's list. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, but um, other thing, yeah. mate, before we get into it, we, it won't be too long, mate. We're going to be uh, wearing some fresh new merchandise. Yeah, mate, we just uh, signed on a new apparel partner for uh, the next three years so scd apparel um we did plenty of wheeling and dealing to get this you know to suss out all the companies and whatnot and yeah we thought it was a good fit for us and and what support local support local business in melbourne yeah local business um you know and they're they're out there making masks and stuff for everyone to stay safe at the moment so um yeah so it's a good little win for uh, us to to get that all sorted and have a good uh, good off-field apparel company to help us out for the next three years. So we look forward to getting our first uh, hoodies and jackets and stuff in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, uh, you, you, you'll notice fairly quickly, you, you at least wear a fair bit of your Cobra merch on here, but you'll see me go from my casual, as you like to call it, my drip, into... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, more more cobra friendly attire to support our our partners. So go across to their socials and give them a follow and order yourself some face masks. And says um, as he said, it's S S C D Apparel and you know, jump on board. Yeah, get a buff, get a face mask, and when we got them, get a hoodie. Yeah, or a polo, polo shirt, or a jacket, jacket, or bloody, a vest, shorts, whatever, right, the whole the whole kit and caboodle, mate. Hey, you, you compression can... shorts. You'll be dripping head to toe in Cobra gear after after we get this up and running. So I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing Ed Dog dripping from head to toe in Cobra gear. So, but hey, let's get into it, mate. We got Mick waiting, Beijing bombers. Let's get into that chat, and we'll catch you on the next one. All right, today we would like to welcome all the way from Beijing, uh, Mick. He's from the Beijing bombers. Welcome to the show, mate. G'day guys, how you going? Uh, very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, and we're keen to learn about the Bombers. Uh, yeah. But f- first of all, how did you come across the Beijing Bombers over there and, and get involved? Okay, well, as I, kind of, I came to China in 2001 and when I first hit here, uh, I, was, I was living in the city of Guangzhou, which is one near Hong Kong. And the first thing I did was try and look up where you can play footy in China. Guangzhou didn't have a team, um, but I had actually managed to play a game for China um, at the Asian Champs in 2002. Through that, um, basically my next move into, into China was up towards Shanghai and I first pulled on the, pulled on the jersey for the Shanghai Tigers. And what happened was I missed, missed their very first game against Beijing by two weeks. I moved up to Shanghai two weeks too late. Um, then kind of Beijing went into a hiatus for about three years until myself and two other guys moved from Shanghai. We're all playing footy in Shanghai, moved to Beijing. And we had these families, old red and black footy jumpers, and we thought we'd have a crack at getting footy back up and running. So, um, yeah, the Beijing Bombers uh, were reformed again. 
and that was 2006. And since then, the club's been playing every year, either as itself or basically combining with the other teams in China to, to be with the China Reds. Oh, very nice. So do you know when the club originally started before that and, and yeah. how they sort so of it's, became it's the first, first game was 2003. And that, again, um, you kind of, the reason we were that became the Beijing Bombers and the SNM was because one of the first guys behind it, a guy called Sanger, he was a student in Beijing and mad keen Essendon supporter and he wanted to have a kick. So he grabbed a whole heap of people from the consulate and all that. There were some other students in town. They ended up going on a tour to Shanghai and that was the first game ever. And basically him being a mad keen Essendon supporter thought well, we might as well be the, the Beijing Bombers. Yep, smart man. That's for damn sure I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you are the Bombers and your club logo is not what uh, most people would associate with the Bombers, like the one behind me. How did you guys come up with that logo, that, that different Bomber type of logo? Um, well, that came actually... I'm trying to think. I, I'm an Essendon supporter and I have saw that logo somewhere on, on some training singlets or something from Essendon over the years and we decided to basically take that one as, as what would start putting on our jumper. So I can't remember where, where it was, but I've seen it on some Essendon kit over the years. All right. I will have a deeper look at it because as Rifty knows, I'm pretty good with my SN logos and stuff yeah. like that. And I reckon I might be able to pinpoint that invention that, but um, yeah. so how did the club go in its, uh, you know, its formative years back when you first started? Okay. So, I mean, we lost the first game we played in Shanghai. Um, and then in 2006, when we got back up and running and, and we got a kind of a group of, a good group of people behind us, we, we went back to Shanghai again. They, those, those pricks wouldn't travel. Um, so we had another crack at them. Um, had a good core group of players and about 3 a.m. at a bar called Windows in Shanghai, we were all gung-ho. We were going to win that, that game on the Saturday. Um, we had that old John Kennedy speech going and, and things like that. And we were all fired up and, and we were actually really killing them up to half time and then just fell in a grand heap um, in the second half. Took us until I think it was 2007, 2007, I think the third or fourth game where we actually had a win against Shanghai. Um, and that was, that was a way again. I think we came back from something like 107 points down um, at half time. No, it was, a, it was a great comeback in the second half. And we basically won that game. And then I think it took them about four four return games to beat us again. So we had the wood on them for a while. Um, Beijing became a very strong club leading up to the Olympics and just following the Olympics, uh, as there was a lot of Australians that were coming into Beijing. What happened then was the World Expo was in Shanghai in 2010 and their first AFL exhibition game was there. So a lot of people ended up going to Shanghai or a lot of, a lot of Aussies went into Shanghai. So they got the wood over us for a while. So um, basically from 2006 was when we kind of really become a good club. Um, started playing together a lot more, playing against Irish and all that. Their head to heads amongst us, it's been, I think 27 games and they are 27 and they are up 14 to 12. Um, and they've, they've won eight Shanghai Cups, oh, China Cups, and we've got six of them. Um, yeah, so. So you mentioned that, uh, well, for, 
you mentioned the John Kennedy speech, and the, at the time of recording this, uh, he, he did pass away two days ago, I think it was. Uh, yeah, so I, I, just, I heard that yesterday, yeah. Yeah, I thought I'd just better mention that because this might be a little while before it goes out. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace uh, to John Kennedy and, and uh, um, my sympathies go out to all his family, but he was uh, quite the figure, um, especially for the, you know, those speeches and stuff. But he's yeah. quite... Uh, would have been uh, got you guys all pumped up back back in those days, getting ready to take on Shanghai. They probably yeah. didn't know what hit them when they. Yeah, the problem was that was at three a.m. when those speeches were going by Fitzy, <laughs> who was coaching us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, we were uh, we were primed. <laughs> um, but, so you mentioned that you know you, you sort of picked up a lot of players during the, the Olympic year, and um, how hard have you found it to sort of get players and, and keep players at the club in the recent years? Well, the, the thing is, well, with China over the years, as China's now developed, there's less and less foreigners are actually coming and staying here. So it has been harder. Um, it, it just comes and goes, and it is with expat football. Um, you, you get a good batch of people in. We try hard to convince Ozcham and the embassy and that to recruit Victorians and not bloody... Um, sniffers from north north of the border so but yeah that that's the thing you kind of can pick up some good good students and come in that are really really got a passion for the game and will help drive it and help recruit others from from the universities that are studying chinese and all that and then it, it just comes and goes i mean we've had some great players come up here shanghai got the wood on us when a guy called shannon watt an ex north melbourne player turned up in shanghai as a house husband as a traveling spouse and he kind of, he turned, yeah, he kind of went to Shanghai and they really picked up then and they had the wood on us for a couple of years. Right now, it's tough because of COVID. There's a lot of Aussies that just weren't let back in the country when, they, when the borders closed. We've got a lot of players that just got stuck in Australia. Um, we were supposed to have a game against Mongolia, their first ever international game. And that kind of had to get cancelled because of COVID and they've lost all their players. So... It just comes and goes. I think right now there's maybe a core group of 20 to 30 players that are there. But again, a lot of them are travelling. They're here on business and or kind of like expat postings and have to do a lot of travelling around the world or around China. So so it gets a bit hard to pick a team. Yeah, well, hopefully this COVID stuff doesn't hold things up for too long and you can eventually get that game in Mongolia there. And Yeah. Um, but whereabouts do you get to train and, and then play your games? Okay, so most of the times we train out at the international schools. Um, there's Dulwich International School has good good cricket pitch and rugby pitches and all that. So we have a run out there. Um, the the thing is that one thing, and you know this about China, well Beijing is we kind of have quite extreme weather, and when we start to train in March and all that, you're basically running on frozen grounds like. The, the the ground just on the surface is fine, but underneath it's still frozen. So you have have some fun skating around on your boots. And then summer is quite extreme. Um, so we, we often the time we just find a park or something and we'll just go have a run. Typically like the guys are having a kick kick tomorrow and that they, they time it around the footy game. So they're going to go have a run out tomorrow at a park, then hit to, hit to the pub to watch Essendon and Carlton play in the afternoon. So. Yeah, you mentioned about the weather, and the, when I went to China a couple of years ago, I think it was 
the month of March when I, when I was when I was there. So I definitely understand about the the coldness and everything like that. One thing I mentioned the rift is sort of a bit of tongue in cheek. Have you ever took the boys for a bit of pre-season up to the Great Wall? Because I uh, climbed the Great Wall once, and that would be one hell of a pre-season <laughs> pre-season thing to do. I think I've got myself up to the second highest point before I literally just ran out of time because the tour we were on, and yeah. I was sore for three days. <laughs> yeah, no, we we, we tried to we done, did one training camp a few years ago leading up to a game against Hong Kong, but the boys did it in Chindal, uh, and it was the weekend of the Chindal Beer Festival, so. So we gathered all the players from China, from around the different cities, and we all went to Chindale to have a bit of a training session. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that does sound a lot better than trying to climb that <laughs> yeah. bloody monstrosity as well. Because you're not rifty. I don't mean to have a go at you here, mate, but I don't reckon you'd actually get up some of them steps. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I struggle to get up normal sets of stairs. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm there, there, there are some steps there. I think my mum got up to the first first. Uh, lookout point or whatever they're called because she just couldn't actually step up some of the steps yeah. because there's some of it just that bloody high but um another thing actually on the training with the um uh, the the air quality in beijing and china how do you yeah. guys how, how do players cope when they first come across there to get used to it while they're training and playing oh well, we kind of that's a bit of our home ground advantage um and especially we a game against hong kong played years ago First of all, it snowed. They came up in November and it snowed the weekend before. So that scared the crap out of them. Um, and then it was just a beautiful, beautiful Beijing foggy day of about 300 ppm pollution. PPM, and uh, slowed them down a bit. And we, it's kind of strange. We, I mean, when, when we train, it's, you're looking and we set a, a mark of if it's above 200 ppm, then we won't train. We just go straight to the pub. Um, so there's been... There. <laughs> There's been times actually when we're 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 kind of and there is a good football game on and we are all quietly barracking that the the pollution level increases so we just just go drinking so just stand by behind, yeah. behind your car with the meter going oh two oh one we better go to the pub there were times there were times a couple of years ago where over the last couple of years our numbers we've struggled for numbers and at times there's been we've had like have ten blokes at training. And it got to a point where it was, okay, if it's raining and there's less, or there's less than 10 blokes, we're going straight to uh, Vegas, one of our sponsors. And blokes to be sitting... Blokes, <laughs> and blokes to be sitting... they're in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and blokes to be sitting there going, oh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we've got five minutes of training starts. There's only six blokes here. Let's just go to the pub now. There's no point waiting until 6.15. So, yeah, definitely know how that's... Sort of how that works, how that feels. Um, Emma, but, who's your favourite football player? Yeah. Who is it? Lala. Lala, ah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, smart girl. Very smart girl. <laughs> Hopefully my daughter's that smart when she gets here, Rift. Um, yeah. <laughs> by the time this comes out, she'll uh, should, should be here. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, good luck there. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's actually at the point now, in recording, it's actually at the point now where it's like, I'm just waiting for her to... Uh, yell at me at one point and go, oh, time to go, Ricky, get off that call. We're, we're going to the hospital. So, but um, anyway, back to footy. So you go, as you said, you play for the um, the China Cup every year against Shanghai. So what's, what is the history of that cup? Okay. So as I said, it, it started, the very first game was 2003 and then it went into hiatus. Um, 
And they're from 2006. So we, we played two games, two games a year, one, one in Shanghai, one in Beijing. Um, we typically go down there in about May. Uh, they come up in September. And uh, yeah, so that, that's what it is. And it's that one's just played between Beijing and Shanghai. Uh, it is a very fiercely contested game. Um, it kind of, it, it's a great weekend. It is, I mean, our, all our footy games are basically footy tours. Um, and it, it's, we kind of, out on the field, it's very tough. But once the game's over, we're, they're a great bunch of guys and we get on great and we kind of come together every time we play for, with China. Um, but yeah, so the China Cup, there's, had, there's been a number of trophies because it hasn't made it back from a few tours. Um, we've had a cup stolen um, a few times, so you can't let your guard down because uh, basically the next thing you'll see the cup on the train heading back through the other cities. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's something that we, we try and do this year. Again, we're starting to get ready. Both Beijing and Shanghai had started training already a few weeks ago, but Beijing's basically been put on hold again now with the latest outbreak. I know the guys, guys have, have you to have a run tomorrow, they've had to kind of pre-register and pre-book that they're going to go to a park to play. So they got their kind of all clear with their health codes. But yeah, we, we'd like to try and get a game in this year, either in Shanghai or Beijing between us. So Yeah, fingers crossed that you do. So doing a little bit of research in the Beijing Bombers, that when you guys have got enough players to warrant it you have a intra-club league called the beijing australian football league the baffle yep yep so how does that league work and how do you guys run it so i mean we as i said when we we've had two really good lots at it for a couple of years one was the the 2007 8 9 period around the olympics and all that we had three teams um and it was kind of like the districts of beijing We, we split ourselves up where people were living um, there's a Dongqing Demons, the Sunlinton Saints, and the Chaoyang Cats. So they're the three big areas in Beijing where foreigners live. So we used to just every two weeks, it was kind of nine asides, um, just go play, you'd play everyone each, each week. Um, then we had another reincarnation of it uh, a few years ago when the whole group of students came in, um, formed two teams. One was Wudokou Warriors, which is a uni area. So that was a bunch of basically all young fit Aussie students. Uh, and then the Beijing City Guoguors, which were us a bit more elder, elderly people. Um, and we played well, about 10 rounds a season just against each other. And again, uh, just people would come in and out. I mean, it was always, hard, as I said, it was always hard to pick teams because people were off on business trips or away overseas, things like that. So, but it was just basically a reason to get out and have a kick. Um, yeah. Did you hear that, Rifty? 10 rounds. <laughs> oh, man. Um, problem, problem was sometimes. I mean, we we learnt we couldn't we couldn't play two weeks in a row because it was just too much for the for the Beijing City team. There was yeah. people were still struggling. We couldn't do couldn't back up. Just, <laughs> is we don't have to do the travel that all these clubs do. And, and, you know, yeah. you mentioned you have to travel up to Shanghai. They have to return the the favour and come down. But how often do you guys? travel and play against other clubs in Asia and, and or have them come over to Beijing? Okay. So, I mean, for us, if our normal season, when we're going, we try, we have the two Shang, two China Cup games, then the Asian champs where players will, will all join together to play. 
What we also do is we play against the Irish. We'll play maybe one to three games against them as international rules. Or what we do is we have done played one international rules, one Gaelic, one Aussie rules version of it. So we fit in a couple of games there. Then, I mean, we, we train on... We, we just train on weekends, basically. We'll play cricket. We'll play in the sixes, Beijing sixes. We'll actually, if, when the Beijing, when the Gaelic games are on in Beijing, the Bombers will put in a team. Um, so we kind of, in, in the end, and then if we have enough people to do a domestic comp, I mean, we're trying to play every second week or something. Uh, you do, we, as I would say, we probably play three or four kind of like proper full match, 18 a side, 16 or 18 side games a year. Um, teams coming into China, well, I mean, the, the downside of where we are in China, it's, it's typically a five-hour flight from anywhere in Southeast Asia to get up, so it's not easy. Um, whereas a lot of the, the other Asian clubs, I mean, the Singapore's and all that, they get on little $50, $50 Air Asia tickets, flights and can travel. China's a bit more difficult. Over the last couple of years with the, the Shanghai Games, with... Um, Port Adelaide and that every year international teams have been coming into into China, so we run a round robin comp on those days. So, but it, it's hard to get them to come as a standalone team into China. But, but yeah, I mean, and then as I said, we tried to we were, we actually had planned we were supposed to play up in Mongolia on Anzac Day. Um, so yeah, it's we we try as China as the China Reds to fit in a couple one or two tours a year. Yeah, again, again, the difficulties that. Clubs that really just don't understand to, to, you know, like you said, clubs have to travel five hours at a minimum sometimes just to come play a game of footy. And yeah, I, I kind of I remember when I was I, so I'm I'm from I play for Oak Park in Nesson and District League, and I mean, yeah, longest longest away game was what twenty minutes or something out to Keela. Um, then I actually moved up to Narrabri in New South Wales, and that's where I kind of first learnt like we we'd do a three hour drive down to play a game somewhere in New South Wales, then you hit China. And I mean, it's a, to get to Shanghai, thankfully we've got the fast train. I mean, but it's still a five hour, it's a five hour train ride um, for 1,400k to play a game. So, but it's a hell of a weekend. So. <laughs> it's a hell of a train that one too. I went on that. Yeah. That is a, I remember sort of sitting up at one point in time and saying it was a was it 300 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Looks 300. Yeah. Looking up and it's like, 295, 296, 296, hey, 300 kilometers an hour. You are flying. Yeah, so, I mean, for, for our road trips there, normally we, we'll roll into the train. And this is, this is sometimes the beauty of China where it's so like the things you can do here versus what you can do in Australia. Um, we normally roll in with at least 100 can esky or two. Uh, we have a couple of good spirits with us. We go straight. We don't even go to our seat. We go straight to the dining cart and just dig in there for the five hours. So... <laughs> I will say though, Rifty, that um, you probably wouldn't want to drink too much alcohol on that train with the, uh, <laughs> the, the, um, the bathroom <laughs> of the situation that you get. But yeah, anyway. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. sorry, actually, What's, what star rating is the toilet on, the, on that train? Uh, normally at the start, it's not bad. Towards the end, it's it's looking fairly average. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was um, explaining to somebody about the star system they have for the toilets. How you've got your five star, four star, three star, you know, one star, it literally just being a hole in the ground. 
And yeah. I responded to somebody like, oh, they've got a star system for toilets in China. <laughs> and they were like, oh, so they, like, they rank, so is it like a full system where they rank the toilets and, you know, this and what they've got? I'm like, no, it's literally just a five-star toilet is just immaculate and a one-star toilet is literally a hole in the ground. And I think even <laughs> if the forbidden palace is like a, a two-star toilet, and the tour guide would sit there and tell you, if you need to go to the toilet today, when we stop here, <laughs> Go here. Try and avoid yeah. to go this one here. And they just could not wrap their head around the fact that there's actually toilets. And Rifty, when you actually get to these places, the toilet, you know how we've literally got the man or the woman on it? It will have the man or the woman and then a star next to it to tell you how many star toilet it is. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that Thankfully, was... being a bloke, it doesn't really matter too much. But yeah, it was, um, at times it was quite difficult seeing the older ladies that I was with on that tour be a bit like, oh, like this the shock horror on their face when they walked in and then walked back out the first time was Yeah. Was priceless. Uh, it's, it's, it's always uh, like obviously it's it's a lot lots changed over the years, but when I was first in China, whenever you were somewhere or whatever, the first thing you tried to you're always looking out for where the McDonald's was. Because if you needed if you knew you were going you had to go to the toilet or something, you just go I'm going to head to McDonald's. That was it. <laughs> yeah. It is, a, it is a lovely country. I will give that. It's, um, it's a place that I'd never, ever given any thought to go to. And I managed to get across there by pure luck, by uh, certain circumstances. And when I got back, I actually started talking about, if you're going to go somewhere, you've definitely got to go to China just because it's just the, the landmarks they've got across there. And, as we spoke about in the, before we started recording, the differences in worlds between Shanghai and Beijing are just incredible. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a little bit, uh, when you say that, it's, so Beijing is so much more relaxed and, and laid back. And it's kind of funny, when we go on a footy trip to Shanghai, we actually got to be careful because if we actually want to go out to a, to, a, to a proper bar or something, you actually have to wear jeans and shoes or something like that. Like normally, normally when it's, yeah, in Beijing, it's you can get around in your your, your basically shorts and, and and thongs and shit like that. But it's caught us a few times. We we post game, we're kind of having a few beers and we'll talk to Shanghai guys. Okay, where we're we going next? And I say, oh, I'll go to this club, and they and we kind of go, okay, let's go. And they go, no, no, you have to go home, get back to the hotel, get yourself changed. So I I, I could believe that it was a yeah. I went to Beijing for five nights or four nights in Shanghai for four nights. And it was, yeah, you go from Beijing, like, yeah, nice, very relaxed. Uh, Westernized a little bit, but nowhere near as much as Shanghai. And then you get to Shanghai and there's the bright lights and it's just like, holy hell, okay, this is the same country apparently. Yeah, yeah. But I'm speaking of that. So what do they do with the, um, the Olympic stadium that was built there? So what do they use that for now? Is that used for anything in particular? Um, yeah, it's a tourist attraction, basically. Besides that, um, because yeah. no, no, that's what it is. It it, yep. it makes so much money as a tourist attraction. Yeah, well, we are. Uh, yeah, I, I missed a tour of that by about fifteen minutes, and I was uh, where we stayed was literally a walking distance from there, and okay, got yep. a little bit lost when on the way there, and it was our last day in Beijing, and we got there just as it shut, and I was not happy, but I asked that question because that's a fairly oval shaped. Ground? Then yeah, he, it's. I, I'm sure the Beijing bombers getting a gig on that ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's no, it is a tourist attraction. Um, I mean, for us playing, yeah, as I said, we're we're lucky that one of the international schools has a cricket pitch, uh, has a cricket oval, so at least it's it's a decent size. Um, 
we kind of have to worry about the the pitch in the middle. But but it's not as bad as one of the games we used to play in Beijing, where we kind of played two soccer fields, soccer pitches, and we kind of we'd book out both of them and and set up to right to play there. We booked these grounds for uh, upcoming game against Shanghai. In, but the thing was, in between the last time we trained and when we played a game, they decided to build a garden shed uh, on about the half forward line. So <laughs> <laughs> we kind of rocked up oh. to the game and you just go, oh, shit, <laughs> there's a shed there. Oh, of course <laughs> So just going back to how you said it's a tourist attraction, you've actually literally just jogged my memory on that because I do remember the amount of buses that were lined up in that um, precinct was just incredible. To the point, Rifty, they got like these little, you know, the trains, Tom's tank trains, you yeah. saying like shopping center type things. Like they yeah. literally have them just people back and forth just constantly. It was yeah. It's, yeah. shuttle trains, sort of. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> absolutely incredible. I'll actually get some pictures of me standing next to the uh, the mascots of the Chinese Olympics and put in here. Rifty, <laughs> means doing these ones too. Cause but, the, um, because the cube, the, the swimming center is now just a big water park. Basically, yeah. it's it's been turned into a water, basically into a water park. Okay. I I got into that. I managed to get I managed to get there to see that in time. Just not the uh, Olympic Park, uh, but absolutely incredible structure though. Like from the outside, yeah, oh, yeah. that um yeah. the cube and the Olympic Stadium. Um, sorry. So <coughs> there you go, head rifty mate. So I've taken up a lot of your time, mate. So just yeah. Oh, I, just I, I did tell you before we jumped on that I'm going to detour quite a it bit because I have yeah, been yeah. to Beijing. It's all good, mate. I know Actually, before you keep going, <laughs> all, uh, the playing jumpers you guys currently wear, in yep. my, you, are they rever- I think they're reversible jumpers from the looks of the Yeah, pictures. they are. Yep. Yep. I don't know if you've seen Rifty, but the reversible red side, in my honest opinion, is what Essendon should be wearing as their clash jumper. But that, the bomber in the middle of it, it's their... Yep. They're an absolute ripper of jumpers, and that's coming. Yeah. No, it is actually. But... It is. We kind of no. So last year we got that set made up, and we made them reversible because basically a lot of a lot of the clubs in Asia and all that, yeah, they don't have class jumpers. But the latest guys that do the jumpers now actually source merit. The ex Brisbane guy, he he runs the company now that or is part of a company now that does the jumpers. So, but yeah, I like it, and and so do. So do some of the guys and, and some of the ones that hate Essendon still got the jumper because they wanted the the they could wear the red one, not, yeah. not the red and black. So. It's a it's a it's a nice take on the uh, Essendon yeah. jumper and yeah. I was starting rifty the other day. I'm like, oh, I'm just like oh, I want to just like get myself some some of these jumpers and as you said, you've only just made them, but if you ever do another run of the Beijing yeah. bomber jumpers in the next year or two, uh, let us know, mate. I'd love to get my hands on number forty two jumper of them and wear it proudly at uh Got a bit for training and okay. chuck yep. it up behind me during well, the podcast. So yeah, once once we're um, suppose once we're kind of done with this round and get another like another sponsor and things like that, and these ones will flick one down to you. Yeah, so, thanks, mate. I, I know there's, there's a lot of guys around the world that I mean, there's some people around the world just see the jumpers and all that. And we're happy to give them off. I mean, they're great. So yeah, we've got a bloke at our club that uh, I think it was, uh, yesterday message. I brought another three jumpers and but now i was thinking the other day I'm like you know some of these jumpers that we're speaking to they're absolute ripper jumpers and you know i could wear them at training and be like oh who's who's that dog wearing today and then said so, you know put them up in the back a bit of a backdrop here and a bit of a way to show off the world and you know can't be less than jumpers for you too on it rifty you can't complain about it or an essence looking <laughs> jumper sorry yeah, and also just a rubbing your face about it eh, rifty 
50. Now the rest of the jumper, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully uh, you're wearing a Carlton jumper on Wednesday after this and oh. after the boy boys give your boys a touch-up, I reckon. I didn't know this shit. Jeez, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have agreed to this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the amount of times I've had to sit here, we jump on and we'll get to the next question, like who do you follow, which we know, and it'll be a Carlton supporter. And I'll be sitting there just going, for a good 10 minutes while rifting this other, whoever we're chatting to, just gazing into each other's eyes about how good Carlton are. And... Oh, come on, mate. You got to you got to speak to bloody Ricky Olerenshaw over in with the Bali Geckos. <laughs> yeah, there, but so. I, I made sure that we didn't speak Jeez. about it. Hey, and you're the one that brought up the, his uh, premiership team. I was trying to be... I say I was trying to be respectful about which happened to Bali Geckos, but it was the Monday after a massive Saturday night for my 30th. So there's also a little bit of that to it. <laughs> Hey, did you see Fletcher's tweet the other day? Uh, which one? Uh, when, when, uh, Fletcher's tweet, basically, uh, when they was kind of starting to break about Connor McKenna and maybe losing about eight players or something, Fletcher's done a tweet saying, I'll be right for a game up forward. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Uh, I love it. He'd probably still be able to get a kick nowadays. He'd still be, he'd still be fairly fit, I reckon. Mate, old, old Fletcher probably still still go all right, I reckon. And <laughs> he was... He was Forty-five years old when he retired, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he only retired really through injury. So he got to the four hundred game mark. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, as you know, mate, I am a fan of football, just as much as I am a fan of Carlton. And and he was one of those guys that, if you if you met him in the street and somebody said, "Yeah, this bloke played four hundred AFL games," you'd be you'd go, "This bloke." Not a chance he's played 400. He, he wouldn't he's have played bloke, 100. Like. Yeah, the bloke in his peak, his prime, going, he's plays ASL. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, Ricky, so, you're, you're probably too young to remember when Carlton's good, weren't you? Aren't you? <laughs> actually, no, he's, he's actually quite no, I'll, I'll say I'll say one thing. I mean, I grew up when my kind of high school years, that was Essendon and Carlton. They were, they were great. That was, I mean, they had some great clashes and that was, that was yeah. a good time. I remember 99 very clearly, so anyway. Oh, you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> you brought that up. <laughs> well, it's, it's the only thing he's got. He's got that and all. We got <laughs> one year because you guys got rubbed out for never testing positive. It's true. <laughs> all right. Let's get back onto the, the other yeah. bombers, the Beijing bombers. Yeah. The bombers we're here to actually talk about, not these <laughs> bombers. And you mentioned that you played a bit of your footy in the uh, Essendon District Football League. And unfortunately, they've just uh, announced today that they're not proceeding with their season, which is unfortunate. Um, But one of the things we like to know a bit about, and you've mentioned you have a great time on your Shanghai trips, but what else do you guys do for the social side for the club? Um, I mean, we... It's kind of every footy trip, every game is, is it's a kind of an end-of-season trip or a social trip. But we also, I mean, what we do is we'll typically at the Aussie balls, like when the, um, the Chambers put on functions and things like that, we'll, we'll go there. Um, the, the guys, I mean, we have Christmas, we go out for good Christmas dinners. It's, we, but otherwise, it's just we get together drinking, playing footy, uh, well, watching the games. Um, get together at any Aussie functions, Aussie drinks and that, we get together as a group. So, but I mean, you talk end of season trips and all that, that's just a footy game for us. That's a weekend. So, yeah. 
it's yeah. but then we play the other sports i mean the guys it, it's being in expat communities or in countries like this where there are there's there's rugby there's gaelic there's all these other sports and that so a lot of us a lot of the guys also mix and play other other games other sports so i mean the irish don't mind drinking and having a good time so we normally we will try and represent ourselves as a club at some of their functions um yeah sounds sounds good um and what about your playing days? Uh, what, how long you played for, and, and what position do you play? Uh, well, I kind of I I played footy all, all my juniors and that in Oak Park. Then when I started working, I got moved to Northwest New South Wales, so I was playing up in Narrabri for a couple of years. Um, then got moved to Newcastle, so I played there. My last game there in two thousand and one, I did my knee, and my next game of footy was in two thousand and two in China, playing at the Asian Champs. I just thought I had about fourteen more years of footy in my body in Asia so that was it um when I made the move to China I kind of I declared that I'd always played in the forward line all my life uh, <laughs> never in the back line so so yeah in, in in Australia I was always playing the back line but never went back there at all when I was in China so kind of yeah ended up playing and the, my last game was for Beijing Beijing City World Wars and we we're playing kind of nine sides you couldn't kick a goal from outside 35 so a teammate took a mark about 36 out and I did the I did the team thing. I ran past for the easy get, just crossed the line, set sail, took myself off the ground and that was it. <laughs> it was a good time to retire. So, but stayed available for tours. So, yeah. You've always got to be available for the tours. One thing we didn't touch on. So, obviously, um, being in Beijing, not too far from Shanghai with the train, did you <laughs> head up for the, uh, the, the games that Port Adelaide have had across... Yeah. Across there, and what was it good to be able to watch live AFL again? You know, being even though you're so far away from Australia. Yeah, I so yeah. So normally, for when they've played the games there, then we've had a footy competition on as well on the day before or day after. Um, when the game, the first game was on the Sunday. We all there was I think ten teams from Asia and a couple from Australia, like a couple of Masters teams are up. So we had a good good weekend, good Saturday playing, and then went Sunday to the games. It was great to have footy up there. Um, it's just it was not the world's the world's best venue to watch it, especially when you're in the dry areas. Because China as well, when they watch sport, they don't. It's it's not like the same as watching sport in Australia and all that. You you can't drink anything. You, there's no. It's it's not the same unless you're in the corporate areas or the little. The, the the good areas and then you just drink an absolute bucket load so so yeah but it was just great because i mean it's great the the you get a chance to mix with players and all that they always have functions a lot of the i mean a lot of the how do you say the old ex afl players some of them come along for some good cashies and things like that so there's a few good sportsmen's night and functions and all that so it's a great weekend i mean would really love for there to be a competitive game um but it's kind of hasn't been with Gold Coast over the last few years, but they're good weekends. I mean, that's and, and it's just promoting football in China and also in Asia, which is a good thing. So, yeah, well, hopefully they continue to do it and grow it even bigger and better over the next few years once, once they can get back over there. Um, I mean, in the end, I was it's they're never going to pack out the stadium, they're never going to pack it out with Chinese, but it is it's part of business, it's part of sponsorship. It's it's building i mean we need money to keep keep growing the game and that's why they're doing it it's 
It's trying to trying to get money, trying to grow the game. And and I mean, in the end, if any Chinese play person makes it or, or kind of starts to play, that just the people that will watch. I mean, I've been here long enough that I saw when Yao Ming was playing for Houston. I mean, every Chinese person that liked basketball was running around in Houston Rockets top. And I mean, they were the most watched team in China and things like that. That's what you've got to do. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Because, uh, yeah, they got that sense of pride and, and they get behind their, their their players when they do make it overseas. And to have a... Yao Ming you guys... You guys are the Southern Southern League, yes? Yeah, or yes. Yeah. You play against who is the? Is it the Dragons? Who are they? Southern, Southern Dragons. League? Yeah, they yeah. used. Yeah, we yeah, used unfortunately, to um, folded a couple of years ago. But yeah, yeah. That, before they went to the Amos, we used to actually have a. That was sort of our cup local for it. Yeah, we had, yeah. A, we had a cup between the two clubs because there a lot of our um, our club at that point in time have been <laughs> well, so yeah, there was that connection. So we, I don't remember. I think we've actually still got whatever cup that is in our rooms at the moment. So yeah, yeah. But um, just on like talking about the Chinese game, it's always nice to hear different uh, views from people in the countries because like, we spoke about the AFL numerous times with the European clubs, how AFL went about it the wrong you know, didn't go about it the wrong way, but we're now seeing that they had it went about it a completely different way. It could have actually really helped the game overseas. Okay. The majority of people you'll speak to were talking about the Chinese games waste of money, this, that, and the other. But then you hear from somebody that actually lives in that area that says, you know, about Yao Min. Like, he made it and it was massive for the country. And you, like, I've never looked at it in that way that all it will take is one Chinese person to make it in Australia and it doesn't matter what it costs the AFL to have them games, their money's made back like that yeah. because of the pride yeah. that they have. So, yeah. I'll bring that up and point that out. But yeah, I mean, just, I mean yeah. that was... That was kind of like what they say that that even Port Adelaide and Gold Coast, it's been probably the biggest watched game TV audience that the AFL's ever had because I mean it just takes a it's a minute population of China and they're watching it and it is advertising dollars and it is exposure and I mean the whole thing is is that when the teams are over there, it's exposure for Australian companies into the Chinese market as well and that's what it is. Um, so it's it's it's. It's important. I mean, AFLX agree. I agree as well. They didn't do it the right way. I would have liked to seen, I mean, AFLX should have gone down the path of like rugby sevens. It is a whole different competition with a whole different tier of people. But it's a game that's, it's a short and a bridge. It's, it's much more fan friendly. You have massive weekends. If AFLX would have started to do something like that, where it wasn't actually, it wasn't the, the AFL club players that too scared to, didn't want to injure themselves. It was second tier players that were guns that like, rugby sevens is and it can just start a, and then it's a game that can be played anywhere around the world because a lot of clubs around the world the biggest problem is finding a pitch i mean yeah yeah, yeah i've mentioned a few times in the program that um that when aflx was on i think rifty agrees with me it was seemed very mickey mouse and just what is this and then since started doing this show we're learning that that's how this game is played around the world yeah and it makes you really start to think they felt <laughs> You know, could have easily have just sort of paid attention to how these games are played around the world and gone, okay, we can make this more international field. It probably would take off, take it off and help the game, but instead they were too worried about these super gold, super gold yeah. and silver footies and 
the bloody rampage. But I reckon we need to get in touch with AFL's uh, advisory committee or something now that we've we've taken the time to actually speak to all these people around the world. Look, we probably could, but then I can't go my but then I can't go my rants. <laughs> but but I, I mean, one of the things is is you you have a look at the same with T Twenty. Most of the T Twenty players aren't the test players. They're players that are suited for the game, and that's what their role. And that's the same with rugby sevens. They're typically a lot faster, a lot more nimble, and that's a different game. And it's a hell of a it's a hell of a game to watch as a weekend competition. Uh, if you're, you're a pure rugby supporter, you're a pure AFL supporter. You watch AFL, but otherwise, if it's the AFL X, you want speedsters. You want little trick shots. So you want these types of guys that can do that and not worry about getting injured because they've got a real season to play for. So I think that's a mistake they did. They, they should have done it as a, as not, not affiliated with the AFL clubs as basically built it up as a league and get other players and maybe get some, get some players that drop out of the AFL system after a couple of years, but they go and play AFL X or something. So when you've got AFL players that can kick, 60 metres off two steps and the ground's only 100 metres long. It, yeah. it, it doesn't... You sit there going, cool, two kicks. I think that they're trying to sell it off as high scoring and this and that. It's like, it's not... Around the world, well, what I'm learning is it's not what it's about. It's about a game that you can play <laughs> with nine people because that's the only field yeah. you can get. And it's to the point now where... like, So this pre, past pre-season, we trained at a soccer venue, like a... Um, artificial soccer pitch because our ground which is too hard to get used of and when we went there it was a bit like okay this isn't ideal but it's the best financially and best for us and now we've already we've got so many chats going oh, when we get back there next year we, we were playing games of nines and we can do this we can do that you know we can actually start to understand how these clubs feel and even with clubs around the world you know, for example when recording this we've only was it this week we got our rooms back for the first time rifty recording this yep yep so we've only got our rooms back for the first time this week so and we've learned like, all these clubs we respect around the world they're training in the middle of parks without any facilities and it's actually made us go understand we've got blokes bitching that oh we can't get a beer we can't go to <laughs> use the toilets it's like you know what be thankful you've got a ground that's in yeah. good condition with that dog shit. So I won't say with that dog shit because there was dog shit the other night. No. But um, be thankful you don't have a ground just in the middle of a no- in the middle of a park with strangers mm. trying to have a nap on it. Don't be thankful what you've got in Australia because these clubs around the world kill for what we've got. Yeah, hey, it's, it's it is it's um Asian footy's fun. I mean, and, and it's the same everywhere around the world. I mean, you talk to the guys in Europe and all that. It, it's it, it's you just want to get out there and have a run. But that, but that is one thing. I've never heard anybody whinge about their circumstances. They're just thankful that they can kick a, kick a yeah. shan around with their mates and have a good time. So our blokes, oh, I can't go to the toilet. That's a damn shame, isn't it? <laughs> I think, like we've said many times, the stuff we take for granted growing up in Victoria, you know, especially Victoria, because we are such a heavy footy state. and. Um, the fact that, you know, we've blown people away when we mentioned we live in a suburb that has, what, three or four different football teams and we don't even play for that football team. We, we travel 25 minutes to our club and there's, you know, probably 20 other clubs within driving distance that within that area. And, you know, you guys are traveling five hours to play a game and you've got clubs that are, you know, Traveling overnight just to go play a game at some for some instances. So, 
Um, we definitely do take it for granted, but yeah. all right. I think it's time we get him to throw some teammates and then <laughs> fellow members of the club under the bus. Yeah. Uh, we've we've had some good results with uh, when we're speaking to the Asian clubs. So um, <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Come on, Etta, what do you got first? All right. So, who at the Beijing Bombers would you say is the class clown? Um, I'll have to. I'll I'll go back over the years, but there's this guy called Belly. Um, I don't know if you have you gone through Singapore Footy Club yet. Uh, no, not yet. We're um, I've organised to chat with him, and the I'm can't his name escapes me, but he, um, he's just my partner's just given birth recently, so we're sort of uh in a mix of trying to organise times. So, but uh, we will get to Singapore though. Yeah, so he, um, yeah, he, he was up in Beijing for a couple of years and made quite an impression. Now he lives in Shanghai, um, uh, sorry, Singapore. But yeah, he's he was he was a class class Okay, get to might hear that name or say that Beijing kind of made you got a um, got an honourable mention. So. <laughs> I'll definitely let him know. Uh, how about the party animal? Ah, uh, that'd be Belly. That'd be him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going. To, I've got to try and pull up my um my emails now to see who yeah. it was from Singapore. But keep going, Rifty. All right, who's the bloke that just takes the game far too seriously? Uh, a guy called Nige. He he was a good old uh, country footballer from uh, played up in Ovens and Murray and came to China and that. And he he was one of my first the first contact I had in Shanghai. This guy, and then we played together in Beijing. This guy had the tendency of being behaving much older than his age. And every time we had a young gun, young gun footballer come on a footy tour, he always took it, took him under his wing and said, "I'm rooming with you. I'll look after you. Our our team depends on you playing good." So he always took him under the wing. Both of them didn't get a lot of sleep each night. One of them was because he was out drinking and partying and hooking up and all that. The other one, Nige, because he was just sitting in the room, couldn't sleep. <laughs> just basically, where is this prick? So that'd be Nige. He, he just, every footy trip, he'd go, I'm, I'm going to look after this young fella. And every 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 Saturday before the game, he'd just be going, oh, jeez, I can't do this. So, <laughs> so yeah, that'd be Nige. He was, he was a great guy, good good footballer, good backman. So, but yeah, he just, he was a, he was a sucker for that. Uh, and... I'm getting disappointed. So. Who's who's the one bloke you wouldn't want to share a room with on on a footy trip? Okay, well, at basically the pres never shares a room. Um, I'll I'll, I'll organise like a, a a big double room, and we'll, we'll that'll be the party place. That's that's my room. At the one I would never and I would never share a room with Belly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't find the email from who I was chatting to um, <laughs> Singapore. I'm just, I'm just going to email. Okay, I want Belly. <laughs> And I want him on just so he can, you know, have a, have a right of reply. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it was, it's, it's just scary when you open the elevator door, opens up in Manila, and there he is sitting butt naked on the on the sofa out the, out the front of the elevator door because he'd been booted out of his, his roommate's room. <laughs> and you that rifty, mate? The present never shares a room, mate. You could have used that last year on footy trip. Yeah, you weren't president back then, though. I'd sit yeah. there and say that yeah, the president VP could just share himself as a presidential suite, but you probably still wouldn't want me. Nah, my shoes aren't safe. <laughs> anyway, uh, who's got the best nickname at the Bombers? 
Um, okay, so if you head to our Facebook site, I popped it up. There's a guy called Fab that drifted on the scene. We just cut you off. We jumped off while recording these. We just jumped off a yeah. chat with a club. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll go check out their Facebook page, just double check some things. And it literally popped up like three minutes ago, Fab. And I'm just like, this guy is getting brought up at some point in time because that is just... Is this with the, the hat on, yeah. the glasses, yeah, the okay, jacket, the, the chest hair showing? Yeah, that, that's fab. And it's short for fabulous. Um, gun footballer, gun cricketer. He brought a lot to the table. He actually brought the nickname to the table. <laughs> when you do, but you kind of first write, what, what, what's your name? I'm fab. What's that for? I'm fabulous. <laughs> that photo, that's been slightly doctored, but that was put up when he played cricket. He had, there was the fab stand. He would put that photo up where the team was sitting. And that was the fab pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I, it's a I, I tell you what, an picture. absolute gun footballer. He was about six foot four, of uh, good uh, Ukrainian stock um, for gun footballer. Didn't play footy. Didn't play footy as a junior. Just picked it up late in life. Stupid Port Adelaide supporter. So there's some points off him for that. But absolute gun footballer. Which I love talking to him about himself as a third person. Um, <laughs> When you're yeah. giving yourself a nickname, Fabulicious. So. Yeah, mate, and, we and no, like that much. Fair enough, though. Doesn't care about it at all. I mean, and that photo, he's not not shy to bring that photo out and put it up. <laughs> so, yeah. He's got a bit of AB about him, Rifty, if that type of attitude about the... I'm not, not afraid to post stuff up and mention it. And... Mate, I think he'd have to spend a few more pre-seasons in the gym if he's going to catch up to AB, though. Oh, yeah, I just meant as in, like, the attitude-wise of, you know, yeah, yeah. We're, we're just, good here. Yeah. I'm just saying, AB you got to mention AB in the same yeah. sentence. You gotta... no, AB's more than happy to pull out that chains photo whenever he gets a chance to. Oh, mate. He, yeah. I mean, he, he, liked what he, he liked what he brought to the table. He liked what he contributed to, to the system. So he was, he was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a good guy. But he's, off, he's now off in, in the US. He followed his, his wife was American. So he's now off living in Seattle, I think so. Uh, is he getting a run for the Grizzlies up there? Um, he was playing. He was playing a little bit there for a few years, but um, yeah, he's not anymore. Uh, okay. He's the type of guy as well that he's kind of very hard footballer, and his kind of social football doesn't. Uh, and when he can't play full tilt or when he can't yeah. really do what he wants to do, he kind of he yeah doesn't play. So. Yeah, I definitely understand what you mean by that. Um. So, which two blokes got the biggest bromance? Uh, that one, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of caring and sharing that went on on footy trips. Um, I don't know if you call it a bromance. There might have been some stuff happening in rooms, um, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's um, there were two guys, uh, guy two Tommies that used to always love love uh, look after each other share rooms and, and hang out with each other a lot on footy trips. They're both now back in Australia, uh, two Tommies. But, yeah, that one's a bit hard. I mean, the other is it's you people roll through here and roll through the team. So, but yeah. No, that's all good. Well, yeah. thanks, Heath, for joining us tonight, mate. We do right. appreciate you taking your time. And where can everyone go? Check you guys out on Facebook. Check out these jumpers and, and more importantly, check out this picture of Fab. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Facebook, the Beijing Bombers Footy Club Facebook. Unfortunately, because we are in China, I mean, we don't have Twitter. Um, 
we used to have a website, Beijing Bombers, but for some reason that kept on getting knocked out and take, taken down. Every time things started getting a bit political, they didn't like a, a website called Beijing Bombers. So yeah. It was something I did actually have my notes to bring up was when I was in Beijing, I couldn't get Facebook for the life of me. It was literally, you had to go through WhatsApp to speak to my then fiance, my now wife. How do you guys have a Facebook page? Like, is there a certain thing in China that you get a, have a way around it if you're a sporting team or? Yeah. So we, we all have, we all have, most of us all have VPNs. So that's what we use in China to get on that. But, but where it actually works is that uh, it works more for people that are coming into town. And this is, this is how we find players. It's, it's like, like you, Ricky, you basically hit up our Facebook page and someone responds. So what happens is people, if they know they're coming, mate, they're a teacher. They know they're going to come in in August or whatever. They'll just send a message to the Facebook page and say, hey, I'm coming into China for a couple of years, going to live in Beijing. Just want to know if we can have a kick. Once you're in here, we, have, we all have what's called WeChat, um, which is basically the, the social media platform like WhatsApp, and all that. So once you're here, you get you get added to the to the Beijing to the bomber banter group. Um, that has a couple hundred hundred people on there, and that's how we kind of keep in touch with everyone and all that. So, and it's it's we have ex players and all that that are around the around the world that all keep in touch with that. Uh, Fab, I'll let Fab know that he's back up on the Facebook page. He'll be quite <laughs> happy to. I'm sure he'll comment on it. Um, but yeah, uh, another social thing we kind of do is. When we go uh, over the last few years or for the last 10 years, when Essendon play Richmond, we typically have a, try and have a reunion of players that are back in Oz to go watch the Dreamtime game. So it'll be players from Beijing Bombers and from the Shanghai Tigers will get together to watch that game. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it was something I'd, um, like a lot of clubs like getting hold of, yeah, we speak to, I do get into contact via social media and I just come across you guys one day and I was a bit like, Oh, Beijing, that's a bit strange considering the fact that I know that obviously you get your VPNs and whatnot, but I just yeah. hadn't really given that a thought. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit strange to see you guys had a Facebook page, but, yeah, it makes a lot, a lot of sense with your VPNs. And, yeah, I think it was WeChat was something I was using while yeah. I was across we, WeChat, there. WeChat's the main one. one. As soon as someone kind of hits us up on Facebook, we'll say once you get in or if they hit us up, we'll just say, we'll give us your name and we'll get you on our WeChat group. So. Yeah. That, that's how that's how we mostly communicate amongst ourselves. So, yeah. No, lovely. Thanks, Heath, right. for joining us. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, Maddie, tonight. Um, best of luck with everything. Like I said, hopefully you get to play that, that game against Mongolia in the future and, and good luck with the next China Cup. Hopefully you can uh, yep. even the ledger up against Shanghai or, you know, go on better and get the yep. wood over them again. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Been good. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks, Mick. Thanks for your time. All right. Talk to you guys later, okay? See you, mate. Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, 
Play the Cobra Cast with the present VP. Now playing podcast Cobra Cast with the present VP.